welcome back to the Macro Ball Podcast. This is episode eight, recording on February twentieth, two thousand and Almost screwed that up. Uh, today is a special episode. Uh, I have the pleasure of being joined by the first two guests in the history of the podcast. On one hand, we have Joel Popel, uh, born and bred in Brisbane, Queensland, general manager of the Comeback Kings, which is a vast network of amateur basketball players across Brisbane, mostly Northside, correct? Mostly Northside. And his favorite NBA team is the Philadelphia 76ers. Correct. Now, on my other hand, I have Josh Walter, also born and bred in Brisbane. Is that correct? Yep. Perfect. Uh, fellow member of the Comeback Kings and also a member of the rival Brick City team. So, yeah, boo. Right. Yeah. And his favorite team is the Houston Rockets. So, in case you didn't catch that, these two have a couple things in common, including Brisbane, but they also like to cheer for tortured franchises. <laughs> so, today's episode, uh, we're going to get into a few different things. Uh, it's basically a halfway check-in on the season. We'll just kind of shoot the shit and talk about it. A bunch of different stuff. Uh, general season in review, including the James Harden-Ben Simmons trade, which was monumental for the NBA in a lot of ways. Uh, we're going to keep an eye on a few things for the rest of the season. We'll raise some of those. And we're going to talk about which teams are contenders or pretenders. And I think that can get pretty spicy. We've also got some Zion Williamson on the menu. We've got some Russell Westbrook. We've got some Damian Lillard, possibly. And finally, we'll finish the podcast with a couple surprises. So stay tuned. All right. So I uh, was going to start by, we'll just talk a bit, little bit about our favorite teams. We'll start with Josh and the Houston Rockets. Going through, a, obviously, call a it what you want. A rebuild. Yeah. Uh, tanking. I, I don't know if they're tanking. No, no we, are, we are tanking. Silas <laughs> is not playing players. Like, we, we just traded Thice back to Boston. That's right. We are, we are absolutely tanking. It's fair. One hundred percent. I don't. Uh, I don't blame them. I mean, when you when you get rid of a player like Harden, and then you get rid of Oladipo, who you received in return for Harden. But he wasn't Oladipo of you know the Pacers' fame. Like he was. He was yeah. off injury. You know Oladipo, which he's not even playing that big of minutes for Miami at the moment. Well, he's so, actually been injured yeah, for a while. Played. So, so that's a problem. But at the same time, like yeah, they've gone that direction. They brought in Jalen Green. Um, yeah, they've had Kevin Porter running the point, which you could talk all you want about how that might be a problem. Um, I actually thought they were going to trade Eric Gordon at the deadline. Yeah. I, I think it was either they wanted too much for him or they were happy with the fact that with John Wall being this season and next season for 40 and f- like 47 million, yep. they're sort of realizing that unless, you know, something major happens, we're not getting rid of them, so might as well ride out a few of these guys. And like with their contract situations, it's not like yeah. they need to keep up a minimum of... I think, what is the minimum amount in the, in the league? Do you know it? Minimum contract? Minimum, not minimum contract, minimum team requirement for... It's the salary cap. You got to be under... You either got to be over at, a cer- at or over a certain salary cap. Yeah, so I think it's just for us, we're just trying to keep it... Because we have a whole bunch of rookies and a whole bunch of guys on vet minimum, so we got to just make sure that we're keeping up some salaries. Yeah, that's fair. And there's also the change of ownership, which got pretty crazy. Like uh, Tillman Fertitta, I think his name in name is. He came in, I mean, for your reference, he wrote a book called Shut Up and Listen. Um, that's the type <laughs> of guy he is. Um, but yeah, he's. I think he's a restaurant kind of conglomerate. So he's come in, and I think he looks at it like a business, not like a basketball team as much. 
So yeah, they're definitely rebuilding. Um, like I said, I thought they'd trade Gordon, but I guess, like you say, they, there was just too much asking price. Um, but how have you, have you enjoyed the team this year or have you been like turning the TV off as soon as the second quarter's done? It's, it's, it's been difficult. I have watched a lot of games just because Die Hard. I think just for me, it's, it doesn't seem like at times we're running an offense. It doesn't seem like we're putting guys in the game to win games. So I feel like, and then we're missing a bruiser like, Christian Wood is brilliant, but I feel like he's more power forward than he is center. And so when he's having to come up against guys like a Jokic, and, and I'm not saying the best players, but he can get muscled out quite easily. Like we, we versed the San Antonio Spurs, and I don't even know the guy's name, but it was just... Probably we, Yuck and Pirtle. Yeah, Pirtle. Yeah, we, yeah. we just got belted by him, and he had... He had easy laps, and I'm like offensive rebounding machine. Oh, it yeah, was yeah. so yeah. It is. It is going to be a tough couple years, but I went through the uh, Jeremy Lin Omer Ashik years, so I think I'm <laughs> I'm in for the long haul. Yeah, the poison pill contract. <clears throat> what a time, <clears throat> Omer Ashik. Um, yeah. So obviously Houston, we'll see how they go in the next couple seasons. I think they're due for a head coaching change. Silas, hundred percent. You know, Stephen Silas is the type of coach that teams hire uh, a lot, like. Uh, the well, guy in Orlando, Jamal Mosley, they bring in a guy to run the team as they rebuild. They're not expecting much. Brett Brown in Philadelphia. Brett Brown. Um, but yeah, I can see them changing coach eventually, uh, but, just going in a winning direction. But I, fe- I feel like he's being told, because like, there'll be games in fourth quarters. We'll pull players that are, that are hitting shots. And it's like, okay, you think, are we trying to win this guy can play a full quarter. Yeah. Like, it's, by all accounts, give him the, because NBA has like a set couple breaks for ad breaks. Those guys can rest there. you just like, yeah. but no, nah, we're, we're just not playing our lineups the best way we can. Yeah, it is what it is. Well, hopefully they turn it around because I think when Houston, I think Houston has one of the best home crowds in the playoffs. Like, it's an exciting basketball game when you watch them play, when they're on, not these days um but yeah i hope they turn it around they had some good series against the um warriors in the playoffs it came so close i don't want to go too much into that heartbreak but we'll uh maybe touch on it in a different episode um so we'll talk about the raptors now that's my team um they're blowing me away i didn't expect much from this team basically they had a bunch of redundancy they had like because what they've done is they've decided to go the six nine direction six eight six nine so siaka mananobi barnes uh, they just brought in Thaddeus Young. They've got a bunch of centers, Pre- Precious Achua's 6'9", Kem Birch. So it's like they want switchability, they want versatility, but they also want size and skill at the same time. Um, but yeah, they've blown me away in terms of expectations because I didn't think they were really anything above a play-in team, and if that. And now they're looking like a 6 and at worst a 7 seed. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. But um, have you guys watched them at all? I did. Not a lot. Look, Fred Van Vliet. You, you said about size, and then you've got Fred Van Vliet, yeah. who looks like he's around my height. If he's not an shorter. exception to the rule, yeah, it's a good point. He's been an All Star though, so I mean they kind of needed him. If they didn't have him, I don't know what this team would be. But um, I'm really excited for Scotty Barnes. I think he's the future of the team. Yep. I said on a previous episode that they should trade Siakam when his value is extremely high. Ooh. They decided not to do that, obviously, because the team's playing well. And this is like the Raptors front office MO to like just sort of feel it out, see how the team's going, get an idea for what they have versus what maybe direction they want to go instead. The team's winning. Why break it up? Just let it go. 
Do you think his thirty million dollar price tag is a bit like as a balking point Ooh, for the seventh trade, in the or? east at the moment? They're number seven. Yeah, seven in the east. Um, Thirty-two and twenty-five. To Siakam, I would say that's pretty much where his value should be. Like, okay, so comparatively, Andrew Wiggins makes the same money. Um, there's a few different players that he's better than making the same money, and there's a few that he's worse than. Probably more worse than better. But the the value was at its highest around the trade deadline for Siakam. So if they decided to go that direction, I think they could have got somebody in return. But yeah, they've obviously decided to keep it together. We'll see. They're going to make some noise in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to win a series. Uh, maybe I'm just being very cautious with my optimism. Who would you say would be a good matchup in the playoffs then? If you're looking at the top of the Boston. East. Uh, well, Boston, do you think they're... They're in the lower seats right now. They're sitting sixth in the East. Yeah. See, I would say... They're probably not Toronto and end up... Well, so they're in the play-in tournament at the moment, see? So yeah, that's a good question, You don't want to play Brooklyn. No. You, you prefer to play Charlotte, if anybody. The worst matchup um, would be Philly. 100%. Because they have nothing on Joel Embiid. Not that anybody does, really. But, um, I don't know. Maybe Cleveland? Surprise Cleveland? Because Cleveland will finish high seed. They're a great team. Like, I'm not dissing Cleveland. But I would want to play Cleveland if I was Toronto. Because they're inexperienced. They could shock them in the playoffs. I don't know. Could be a seven-game series at worst, at True. best. Anyway. True. Yeah. That's who I would go with. Um, and finally, Joel's Philadelphia 76ers. Um, Ten years of craziness. Uh, I could go in depth on just Philly for the last 10, 12 years. It's been insane. Sure has. Um, I'm sure you've gone through the motions considered drug oh, and abuse started really following them a hell of a lot when ben simmons got drafted purely okay. simply but that was trust I the follow, process i follow all of aussie ballers i follow them all so yeah they that did. was my motivation i guess for them and then when matisse obviously decided he wanted to play for um australia that made a difference as well do you feel like and this is a bit of a loaded question but do you think this is the year to win the championship for philly or maybe the next two, three years, Josh is uh, shaking his head. If anything's going to happen, it's going to happen this year. It has to, right? I believe they can get through Miami. Um, Bam Adebayo will be a big test for Joel Embiid, especially with Jimmy Butler knowing every, nearly everything that goes on inside that system. Mm. Um, personally, if they were to do anything, James Harden needs to do something. Not sit around and sulk or be in every strip club in uh, the Philadelphia area as much as he could. But... Well, hopefully the strip clubs aren't as good in Philly as they are in Houston, because Houston's <laughs> world famous. Whereas Houston, Philly, Texas, yeah. Philly might Texas. be more like grimy, sort of like, oh, let's Mo- just get Motown. out of here. Houston and Atlanta <laughs> were the like the worst places. Someone made a chart way back when of the quality of strip clubs yep. and I how well yep. or how poorly he played. Amazing. Just, yep. <laughs> oh man. Truth. Hashtag truth. <laughs> That's incredible. Um. But yeah, I guess we'll just get into this now. The the James Harden Ben Simmons trade, um, pretty phenomenal trade when you look at it. We had weeks building up where so before the trade, and let's just say three weeks before the trade, I hadn't heard anything about Ben Simmons for James Harden. I didn't think that was on the radar. I had put out on just basically the, the internet from my perspective. I thought De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley or De'Aaron Fox Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes was a pretty good trade for them. I, I thought so too. I saw that Instagram post. I just, I looked at the, the, the haul they might get for him and I went for Ben Simmons I'm talking about and I thought Philly was going to have to settle in a way. Not that 
De'Aaron Fox is a bad player, but I just didn't see the value being James Harden of all things. Now, obviously, so Harden wanted out though. Yeah, Harden wanted out because he wasn't playing with Durant. Kyrie was doing so Kyrie things. He wanted out, and that's James Harden's mentality. But that's what happened. So we start losing. I'm out of here. See ya. Two to three weeks before, it really started to spice up, and that's when Harden went. I'm out of here. Like enough of this. You're gonna have half man, half season on the team. Kyrie Irving. We got Durant out for extended <laughs> weeks. We've got you know just shifting lineups and like there's no certainty james harden obviously wants to win a championship from what i can tell um even though his effort was less than stellar there in brooklyn truth so who won the trade in my mind the nets seth curry has already done things that ben simmons hasn't done this year nor does he a lot of players for a lot of the attention that James Harden gets. I was going to say a lot of players have done things that Ben Simmons hasn't done this year because yeah. they've played basketball. <laughs> but I take your point. And Andre Drummond fills that role that they needed so badly as a uh, seven-footer who gets boards and gets bangs bodies, sets screens, all those little things that might not show up on the stats that he was doing so well in Detroit for so many years being a double-double machine. He does those things. He's so valuable to Steve Nash. It's not funny. Can he guard Embiid? That's that's Andre the, Drummond. Yeah, of course he can. No, he cannot. W- will Embiid destroy him in the playoffs if they had to? I believe so. Yes. Uh, Joel Embiid's a different type of superstar. He's a different type of monster. There's a uh, there's, uh, there's probably levels. two players in the entire league that could probably have a go at um, Joel Embiid. One's Draymond Green. That's my personal opinion. Um, the the Embiid stopper because he gets in his head mentally. I think the Sixers definitely won this trade because they added James Harden, first of all. We know he's a former MVP. They got rid of the Ben Simmons problem. Just call it what you want. It was a problem. <laughs> uh, whether or not you agree with Ben Simmons or you agree with Philly, whatever, they got out from under that and they got better value than most people expected. Okay? And... Not only on top of that, I said this on the last episode, James Harden opted in to his contract. So instead of worrying about having to re-sign him for this, I mean, they might still re-sign him anyway. Worst case, seriously, worst case, if James Harden doesn't work out, they can trade him. He's an expiring contract, but that's probably not going to happen. But the fact that he opted in was actually really impressive as far as the negotiation goes. And Daryl Morey is just a genius. Like, Pulling that off, holding Ooh, that's out. That's a big statement. Daryl Morey, okay. genius. No, no, no. Those you think three about words when together. He, when he got Harden, he literally traded like Kevin, Kenyon Martin or something. Kevin Martin. Like the dude was languishing in, in you know, Sacramento for years. So it's not like he, he's, he's made some bonehead trades when he traded away Capella, like for loose change. But in the same instance, he's, he's doubling down. Like, to your point, uh, Daryl Morey's a massive James Harden fan. They're certainly more than just friends, I guess you could say. In a way, personal friends. I don't know the terminology you want to use for it, uh, but the 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 rumors and stuff that have since come out saying Daryl Morey on the phone to uh, uh, Sean Marks, stay on this mother effing phone. We're not getting off until this deal is done. Does not only does that not raise red flags in my eyes. It certainly thinks that, I don't know, maybe there's a little bit more personally to the situation. Daryl Morey made it abundantly clear when he took the job at the 76ers, he was getting James Harden at some point to pair up with 
Joel Embiid. There was no ifs, no buts, babies about it. There was a lot of talk when James Harden was still with Houston. But like, okay, let's go back to the Seth Curry. Seth Curry won them a game against uh, New York Knicks. Just like, not knowing really the schemes, not really knowing much. Plug and play. Yeah. He comes in and he gets buckets. 100%. And he he was playing a big role on the 76ers. Yeah. Like he was effectively, because Ben Simmons in the playoffs couldn't, really like he, he'd come down past the ball go to the dunker spot Seth Curry was the one who was having to initiate the offense move with the ball hit it up with Jalen Embiid so you're losing a good amount of your not so much offense but can Harden replace that or the extra bits that they're losing to McKenzie's point yes about them winning the trade yes James Harden can do that the other thing is is I'm really high on Tyrese Maxey yeah. that guy is I love he, him. He just works. He wants to get better. He runs. He, he's, uh, you know, the things good that point guard read. and shooting guard. Yeah, Great yeah. combo guard. He, he, can, he can do whatever. Whether he's going to work next to Harden full-time, I don't know. And you could not get rid of Matisse Thibault with no. his defensive rating and the way that he's playing. But the role that he plays, whether he's starting now at the three or coming off the bench, let's be real, Danny Green is probably going to pull a pin at the end of this year. But how how uh, much are you willing to pay? Because I think Thibault is coming off contract, or yeah, I, think he's he's, got, I think he's got another year left on his rookie deal. Okay, so how much are you willing to pay him? Like how much? Probably do you ten million a year, I'd say. Be probably is about. I think Danny Green in his prime when he was oh Spurs. I think that was about ten to twelve, roughly. Don't hold me to that. It was a long time ago. I would say <laughs> yeah, he was probably making like sixteen on the Raptors, or just after he went to the Raptors. fifteen mil a year. I think wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. So I would say that's his value. More than ten. Thibault's defense is like insane. Like his if you length, watch him play, his defense, it is his anticipation. Yeah, he's. He's chasing. He's letting guys drive past him, chasing them and blocking their shot from behind. Like yep. you don't see that from a lot of defenders. It's no. pretty incredible. Um, so it's interesting. We have a bit of a mixed bag on who won the trade. We we have to open up the forum here to Ben Simmons <laughs> discussion. So well, let's just assume that Harden comes back to 100% Harden. He looks like maybe not MVP Harden, but he looks really good and he fits next to Embiid. That's fine. The net side. I, I want you to explain why you think. Ben Simmons fits on. Do you want to go first? Brooklyn. No, no. I mean, just, here we go. You start. Go on, Joshy. Okay. You go. So you Give have this. Katie um, still signed till the 2024. You have Ben Simmons still on a four year contract. So effectively, you have two guys who are 6'10, both can dribble. You say a pick and roll between those two. Okay, it's not going to be a pick and pop, but you say. Whoever has the ball, let's say Ben Simmons has the ball, KD sets the pick. That ain't going to happen, but anyway. <laughs> it could happen. Look, KD he, don't set screens. Watch the game. He don't set no, screens. No, but, but it let's, could let's, say you, let's say he buys in. He goes, he sets that pick. How are you stopping that with Joe Harris if he comes back from injury or Patty Mills in the other corner? Curry. Yeah. And then Seth Curry coming off another action. How are you going to stop that? Because I think the big thing in regards to Ben Simmons is, are we going to get the Ben Simmons who, when Joel Embiid was out, absolutely dominated a cruising jazz team? Like where he has shooters around him. He plays the, like, you know, he plays the the one four man role. Yeah. And he can play center for them in today's league where you don't need a seven footer who bangs in the post. Are they going to have enough with those two 
let's say Kyrie comes off the book, he gets his player option next season. He's going to opt in because no one's going to offer him $35 million. Hell no. <laughs> so, let, okay, let's say we get half-half... Mr. Unvaxxed Kyrie. Yeah. What, what was your what was your saying? What was your half-man... Half-season. Half-season. Half-man, half-season. Half half yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Brooklyn yeah. has pieces. Like, they're not going to have picks, but you think a number of people are, will want to sign a vet minimum with them. Yeah. And I un- think... Sorry to cut you off. I no. think Ben Simmons is one of those players that will draw... Like... Okay, so the problem is we're just coming off a situation where he held out on a team. And it's fair enough. It was a really weird situation in Philly. So there's a bit of reputation rehabilitation that needs to happen. And that's something I think he's in a perfect situation to do that in Brooklyn because Brooklyn's open to trying things and like just playing. like playing Sean basketball. Marks is also from New Zealand. So he understands the Aussie background lingo all that kind of stuff but you think he could have done that at the olympics he do, uh, don't get me started Uh-oh. no, no, no. you think Lord. okay <laughs> he's coming off a terrible season he's coming off you know the worst moments he has all of his, his career health. by all accounts he comes into the olympics and he throws down let's say he scores 20 points he's 15 re- and he's like he didn't even need to do that did, just needed to show up all he needed to do was show up get to that dunker spot exactly like Andre and even when Brian Gorgian no. took over. Oh. It's all he needed to do. Doc Rivers crucified him for forcing him into that dunker spot. You, That's where I think the biggest difference will be where he will have a lot more freedom under, like in the Brooklyn Steve system, Nash. Steve Nash because Doc Rivers from all the places he's been has left some really bad tastes in a lot of people's mouth. Agreed. You you think is Steve Nash Steve Nash is is probably not in, maybe in a hot seat, but if he can't do well enough that they're they're at least you think next okay, they get They have to finish one to six yep. this season. Okay. Period. Yep. Okay. Uh, I will tell you that now. With or without Ben Simmons, they have to finish one to six. Okay, I've okay. finished my piece. Joel, hit us with hit us with what you're feeling. You're done. You happy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm. I'm happy. I'm feeling. I'm finished. Okay, where do we start, Mackenzie? We've already had this conversation, part conversation, where I could yap on for the next three hours. Ben Simmons has a massive attitude problem. Um, unfortunately, the whole LA kind of nightlife lifestyle has gotten to him. His dad was one of the most humble, hardworking men that the NBL has ever seen when he came here years ago. His mum played some type of professional sport, I believe. I'm not quite sure. Uh, quite high level. But uh, he had the great life when he was here living in Melbourne. He, he was a really good AFL player. And he was always going to be talented. He was always scouted to go and play in the NBA. And we've seen that firsthand, that he could do those things that others couldn't with his size and his vision and skill unfortunately ben has let yeah that lifestyle of the glamorous life get to his head i personally believe uh people close to him have said that there's more to the story and of course i believe that there probably would be close to the story Joel Embiid is a big personality he craves attention he craves the limelight and spotlight and i think ben wanted a little bit of that especially when he was dating the jenners and all that kind of nonsense uh, playing, showing up to Wimbledon and uh, was it Wimbledon? I think show, right. it was, was yeah. Wimbledon showing up to Wimbledon with his new girlfriend instead of being at Philadelphia practice. Man, that shit don't fly with me at all. 
you, you know, you either have, you're getting paid X amount of dollars, you be there whether you want to be there or not. You know, you got to show your attitude as far as I'm concerned. That's, that's character and that's personal character. You cannot teach, change, train that at all in any way, shape or form. Uh, you know, that's, Ben Simmons is a talent. If we had him on the Boomers team in the Olympic Games, Patty Mills, Delavadova, Joe Ingles, even Aaron Baines has come out briefly to say, if Ben played, things would have been different because what Ben brings to the team was different to what Matisse then when they brought Matisse in when they finally got Matisse. You know, Chris Goulding wasn't shooting real well towards the end of last season. It made some really big threes for us in the Olympic Games. You know, just got to those spots and, and got hot. That's, that's Chris Goulding. But... The things that he could have done by taking the ball out of Delhi's hands, especially that we seen towards the end of the Olympics, where that Brian had to bench Delhi and put the ball back in Paddy Mills' hands, and then start Matisse for the defensive rating. Ben could have done all those things. Delhi wouldn't have had to have the ball. He would have just passed what he's doing now in Melbourne. Delhi doesn't have to score. Delhi passes and facilitates, sets those little back screens, defends your best player, all that kind of stuff. Ben Simmons can do that. And he would have made a difference. And playing the US when we were up at half time in that semi final game, we needed someone to step up and do that. Paddy Mills was bowling out. When we lost Aaron Baines, different thing. Ben could have stepped straight into that role and played that defensive that Bangers need that Bangers usually does. Bang bodies and get those rebounds. These long arms and athleticism and pushing the ball on the floor. Matisse would have run with him. Nathan Sobey would have run with him. all those little things. You know, you go and meet I don't know whether Sobes would actually ever consider coming out and saying anything about it, but he, you know, Ben Simmons shot himself in the foot so badly it wasn't funny. So do you think he feels like he was above being on the boomers? You think that's what it is? Or it was just the timing of it? I think he had a bad taste in his mouth because when he was a junior, he got left off the squad. I think it was back in the early Patty Mills, Dilliver Dover days, like when they were in their early 20s. Same as what they've done to Josh Giddy. They didn't take Josh Giddy to the Olympics. Brian Gorgian took Nathan Sobey, and he took... I can't remember who's the other person I'm thinking of. Josh Green. He took Josh Green, purely for his athleticism. Josh Giddy will be the starting point guard for the Boomers in the next couple of years. Patty Mills will step away. Dilliver Dover, step away. Joe Ingles, now that he's done his in knee, he's bangers even with his neck now. He's back in Brisbane. You know, there's a good chance that they might not play again for the Boomers. Wow. But this yeah. is a lot. I, I really love where you're going with the, all this. Um, I feel like I have an inside I have an inside source, like you're my Woj for, for Australian <laughs> hey, basketball knowledge. I'll take that. Um, I'll take it. I just wanted to circle back because so the thing with Ben Simmons is like he had this bad taste in his mouth probably for a lot of different reasons. What happened in Philly was kind of crazy like everything sort of climaxed into this shit show when he passed up the dunk and that was with like two and a half minutes left in the game it wasn't like the game was over but it set the tone it sucked the energy out of the building if you're watching the game oh it was like and there's a reaction video of Joel Embiid going what the what were you thinking like just dunk the ball and I watched the post-game interview yesterday I was just wanted to go back and his reasoning was that he thought Gallinari was riding up his back and he, he felt pressure. You still yam that ball down and get smacked in the back of the head by Gallinari. I but agree. Matisse even he, said the same thing. He, he wasn't expecting the ball, hence why Matisse, when he caught the ball and yeah. went up to the hole, he went, holy shit, yeah. and then ended up at the free throw line. So one other point on that. 
Thibault said on a interview podcast with JJ Redick, he went, I should have got a lot of the blame for the loss. I missed free throws. I fouled a three-point shooter. Uh, like he made mistakes and he was completely forgiven for it. Like it wasn't even acknowledged. But it's money. What's the old saying, Mackenzie? When you step up and you admit faults, people are a hell of a lot more okay with your mistakes. If you stand up and take your responsibility for your actions, JJ Reddick's a prime example back when he was in Orlando, uh, Philly, Philly. LA Clippers missing big shots, taking responsibility for your actions and getting better and playing your role Joel, on certain teams. Joel Embiid said that. He said, everybody else is here trying to get better. 100%. Tyrese Maxey worked on his game. He worked his backside off. Where are you, Ben Simmons? Where are you? What are you doing? And that's a fair call. Um, but sorry, I just want to circle back because I wanted to remind people the type of player we're, look, we're talking about here. So... You're ben Simmons. Pull some stats, are you? Yeah, quick stats. Twenty-five years old, as you pointed out, he's entering the second year of his contract extension, worth over thirty million a season. Three-time NBA All-Star, first-team All, sorry, third-team All-NBA one time, two-time First All-Defense. So fantastic. We know Came defensive damn player. Damn close to winning Defensive Player of the Year last year. Exactly. Damn close. Fifteen point nine points per game, eight rebounds per game, seven point seven assists. That's the regular season averages. For what it's worth, the averages do take a dip in the playoffs. But we're talking about a phenomenal basketball talent, like somebody who LeBron James has said previously he's the next guy up in that sort of uh, I don't want to say the king role, but like Magic Johnson type of yes facilitator yes. can do everything, runs the floor, athletic god, <laughs> like all these types of things. Now. I want to give you a second set of facts because you brought up the point about Doc Rivers, okay? So the major concern that everybody had about Ben Simmons was in the fourth quarter, he's not trying to score. He's he All of his aggressiveness goes out the window. And I was curious because, so last year in the playoffs, he played in 10 of 12 fourth quarters. Two of them, the, the two of the 12 that are missing there, Philly was blowing the other team out. So he wasn't playing. No, none of the starters are playing. So in the other 10 games... He went five of six, five of six on field goal attempts in the fourth quarter in 12, in 10 games. So six field goal attempts, he made five of them. Now in the Hawks series, he went three of three in the fourth quarter. And that was the thing that everybody zeroed in on because in the last four games of the series, he didn't make an attempt at all. He didn't shoot the ball. He had a couple free throws. That was about it. Now I wondered if this was an outlier series, because is this something that has happened before or is this something that just happened recently so as it turns out he had been in two other playoff runs and in 13 of the 22 total games from these two other playoffs he took less than two field goal attempts in the fourth quarter so there have been games where he's basically had no aggressiveness and just stopped shooting it's like a freeze out now to that point i wondered if this was a strategic thing or maybe a confidence thing or maybe both so uh, we'll get. I'll let you guys have the mic in a second. My my theory on this is that defenses are keying in on taking the paint away from him, right? Where he's obviously a dominant player, and on the fast break as well. Fast break and uh, transition points kind of go out the window in a lot of ways in the playoffs, especially in the fourth quarter when things slow down. So because of that, his usage on the floor changes according to the coach's strategy. You go, oh, we can't get you in the paint. Okay, you can go to the dunker spot, but we have to give the ball to somebody else now. Like, this is just the way it is or we're going to lose. Now, because of that, his aggressiveness plummets. 
because his role has changed. He's been the point guard all year. He's had the ball in his hands, and then suddenly, sorry, Ben, you go stand over there. We don't need you the same way anymore. And then because of this, he loses the reps. He stops playing the same way he's used to playing, and then he gets shut out, and he basically says enough. Like, I'm just, there's no confidence. There's just no, there's no trust that he's going to make the play, and so he's unfortunately falling into that pit. That's the way I've looked at this. It's a, a series of things that have happened in Philadelphia. I don't know if this is Doc Rivers' fault necessarily, but the strategy would have clearly changed, like I said, to where the other team sees what they can do to limit him and his effectiveness, and that takes him out of the game one way or another, whether it's intentional or unintentional. What do you guys think? I, I, th- I think it is, but I think the biggest element is... If you have a player that is as limited as Ben Simmons is, and you think over his first four years, with all the talent he has, hiring his brother as a shooting coach, like if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, you're like, no, you're going to work with this dude. You are going to work on this one shot. Let's say a little push shot. We're going to work on a, a little mid-range jump shot. Magic didn't have huge range until the very end of his season. You think he had a mid-range jump shot, though, that he could go to that was dominant. And you think back then the lane was packed even more. Magic still made it to the hoop. The 76ers pretty much had the ball in his hand the entire time. And then at some point, they're like, oh, no, we're going to give it to Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's come out on multiple places and said, it was stupid. Why didn't he have the ball? I can play off ball. He was still giving me the ball. I felt like I was still part of it. He's the point guard. That's Brett Brown. Brett Brown. Anyway, continue. And and so, but my thing is, is that he is a 60% free throw shooter. Now, a lot of people have said, a guy who can shoot free throws, that's how you can judge whether he can shoot or not. If you were in the league earning $30 million, whatever, earning that amount of money, you think they'd go... Now nah, you ain't practicing with us today. You're going to make free throws all day, every day. So if he can work in his free throws, even with the new rules where they're allowing a bit more physicality, he gets to the lane half a dozen times. He gets a foul on their opposite big. He's now got uh, Joel Embiid. Like, okay, Joel Embiid's now working on a second or third string big. That's that's what do you call it? Butter chicken? Barbecue chicken. Barbecue chicken. To barbecue chicken shack. I just think it's just not he hasn't improved enough in those quarters to say I am content with putting the ball in your hand but then okay you think okay Philadelphia we'll wash that all away we'll put him in the Brooklyn Nets he's going to take over the Blake Griffin role Blake Griffin is roaming everywhere he can shoot a three these things Ben Simmons can't do Ben Simmons can shoot threes. He was told brick. for three seasons. Brick. Clunk. Clunk brick. Okay, sorry, sorry. This is where, I, I like I said, it's a mental thing and, it, and it's a personality thing. He was told for three seasons in Philadelphia, Brett Brown, do not shoot. Do not shoot. There's a lot of stuff that did not come out that, again, it's circles of people that I know that have had people do stuff to do with people in Ben Simmons's camp. He was told, do not shoot. Do not shoot. You have JJ Redick. Then you had Seth Curry. You had Danny Green. You don't need to shoot. You need to get to the rim and get the ball to those guys. 
Brett Brown was superstar mentality. He, the ball had to go to Joel Embiid in the fourth quarter. How many times did Joel Embiid turn the goddamn ball over in that goddamn fourth quarter because they forced him to do shit? Same thing with Jimmy Butler. There was a few times Jimmy Butler had to force shit and he got lucky. Which are you talking about? Any of the fourth quarters or a specific fourth quarter? I'm talking about any fourth quarter. So like the there Raptors was regular series, season games, there was the playoff games. Yeah. When when Jimmy Butler came to town, it took that pressure off Joel Embiid because Ben Simmons went missing because he was told not to shoot. Yes, I agree. The same as what Jimmy Butler said, the ball should have gone to Ben, and Ben should have done something with it. Whether he was someone was sending him a pick, whatever the case, I totally agree with what he was saying. And again, in saying that. Ben Simmons came home a few years ago and ended up playing in a domestic game in Melbourne with his friends. If I could ever find the stats, I'll try and find them. I think so what, he, was he hit like, 10 threes? I think he was about four from six from three. <laughs> of, course, of course he was. He, 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 the man can shoot. He can shoot jump shots. Go back and watch his, uh, I think it was NBA Academy, something like that, before he went to LSU. The man can shoot. It It's... They have said it. Charles Barkley and, and and Shaq have said it multiple times on on, you know, with Eddie and the the, the podcast, the thing that they do, ESPN inside whatever. the NBA. That's the one. Thank you, McKenzie. <laughs> uh, multiple times. It's a mental thing with Ben. It's a confidence thing. His dad has even said it. It's a mental thing. It's a confidence thing with Ben. When you're told not to do something for so long, it gets a repetition and it gets in your head to do those things. He doesn't. He didn't need to. He didn't need to. He didn't need to shoot with JJ. He didn't need to shoot with Seth. All that kind of stuff. My personal opinion on Ben is completely different to the way that I hit the man is as a player. He enjoyed himself playing down here a few years ago when he came. I think it was his first year after he came back after his foot surgery, 2018. I think it was something like that. He enjoyed himself. He dominated. I think he scored like 47 points or some rubbish in a domestic league game. It was just Ben Simmons. The Bessing man was plumbers. yeah, yeah. It, it <laughs> was like it's like uh, the Raptors of Premier League for us. Older guys who've played together for so long that just have so much. NBL one talent and all that playing against the MB the MPL Wolves, uh, kids from Morton Bay Suns, that can shoot the lights out but can't play defense to save their life because they're seventeen eighteen year old sixteen seven eighteen year old kids. I'm just using an example. So he looked uh, like Wilt Chamberlain essentially. Essentially, gotcha. the the man, but he enjoyed himself because he's playing with his friends. Okay, where the how Philadelphia let him do that on the contract after coming off a broken foot, I don't know, but it was all pretty hush hush. My point to the matter is, the man can shoot. I do believe Steve Nash will give him a little bit more freedom. I agree with you. I do believe that'll come. Kevin Durant ain't said no picks. <laughs> I think he will. The, this, this is okay. So, Kevin Durant ain't paint set no picks, McKenzie. It I love, ain't happen. It I love ain't that you bring this Let up. Let the man speak. I ben think Simmons will send picks. Both of them will. I think their offense is going to be unpredictable. As much as, like, to me, the ultimate in unpredictable offense is Golden State because of the way they move and they basically go, oh, you're doing this. Okay, you're taking that away. That's okay. We have this instead. They just counter whatever you do. And I let think, Steph Curry do what he wants to do. Yeah, and Clay Thompson running off picks and Draymond obviously making passes. But I think Brooklyn will find a balance of... So Durant is like unstoppable scorer. MVP. We know this. Yep. Not this year, but no, 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 I no. take your point. No, he's scoring-wise, exactly like... The way Allen, Iverson, Allen Iverson used to be. The man was a walking bucket. Yeah. Kevin Durant is a walking bucket. Just seven foot. Again, yeah. yeah. Unguardable. 6'10", I've listed my backside. But what I was going to say was, so Ben Simmons, I think he his 
his um, dilemma or the dilemma with having Ben Simmons is he needs to be empowered. He needs to be the guy or one of the guys, not just shoved away in the corner in the dunker spot. Maybe that was an effective strategy. Obviously, the results didn't show that. But maybe that was the best strategy that Brett Brown or Doc Rivers could come up with. Who knows? We'll never really get to go back and revisit that necessarily. Um, but having him go to Brooklyn, I think, is fantastic. Like, both teams kind of won this trade. I think Philly won more or won bigger because they got rid of Ben Simmons that's out of that right now. untenable issue. Yes, that's what we've said before. You always, right now. Whoever wins I'm the thinking... trade is usually the best player that goes. So it is Philly at the moment. But I, I can see your point. But I just, I just don't think that anybody thought they'd get James Harden and Daryl Morey thought, I'm getting James Harden. You guys just wait. You don't believe me. You'll see. And here yep. we are. Yep. So, yep. and they didn't even have to give up Thibel, like you yep. said. They didn't have to give up too much. Nope. It Millsap. Mean, yeah. I mean, Millsap's, uh, I don't love him anymore, but. He has fallen off the wayside. Something chronic since Denver. Anyway, that's a conversation for another day. He's basically going to replace Drummond for whatever that's worth. Obviously, he's not Andre Drummond. But the only thing I think Philly needs to do to sharpen up their team is they need to add some sort of backup big. Because they have George Niang, Paul Millsap, Paul Reed. That's about it. Paul Reed's a few years away. Yeah. yeah. He's so, a stretch four. He ain't no center. He ain't no Drummond. He ain't no Dwight Howard. He, he's not that rebounding, dunking man that they so drastically need, especially when they go small uh, with their second lineup with Joel out on the bench. That's what I worry about is that yeah. if Embiid gets in foul trouble, yeah. they might be toast. And you can't sign, uh, what's his name? What she's changed his name to now? Ennis Freedom. <laughs> Ennis Cantor Freedom. Ennis Cantor, man, he is the most defensive liability. As much as he got better when he was at Utah uh, and then come to Portland, he did get a little bit better defensively playing with Nurkic. Uh, He'll never be mistaken for a defensive specialist. N- not a chance. But who they get on the waiver wire after the trade deadline, that's anything. You- we'll see. You just don't know who's going to become available. There's obviously guys, even That's you right. know, there's guys that aren't happy where they are or are not getting minutes, so they're probably better than what they are. Off the top of my head, know. I don't know who that would be, but I'm Me sure neither. they'll pick someone Me up. Neither. Yeah, of course. Someone will speak up or someone will get bought out. That's the way it, it goes in the NBA. That's right. um, so finally, I just wanted to ask, what do you think Ben Simmons' ceiling is as a player? Are we going to see it in Brooklyn? Ceiling, I'm going to throw out... I'm going to say he can be the Pippen to KD's Jordan. KD is going to score 30 points. You have him doing everything else. Pippen was a much better shooter. Wow. But you think about it. If that's, he a, can... that's a that's a big big call. But I like where you're going. That's I an aw- I love that. Even if it's yeah, a yeah. reach, we'll just say. Oh, let's a, just say it's, it's a bit a of a reach because it's be Jordan Pippen, and Pippen. But, in any case. <laughs> but it's Durant. Yes, I actually really like that. I never thought of it like that. Because you think passing, you think and you think defense, you think rebounding, offensive, both defensively, energy. He, ben he, does those things. Yeah, he can. And if you yep. get Ben running a fast break. That's nightmare. That, that's criminal. Like he he abuses people. Like I saw him dunk on Rudy Gobert, and you know that was yeah, it was abusing a good day. the French. It was know, a good invading day. the French. It was a good day <laughs> <laughs> invading the French. I was gonna say the the times that we've seen, and this goes back to the like the Simmons and B thing. It was never really gonna work. When we go back to 2018, let's see if you can remember all this. Do you remember they went on that big win streak before the playoffs? Yeah, it was Simmons running the show. Yeah, he was 
they were a dominant team. All they did was spread the floor with shooters and let Simmons dictate. And he was that was basically his rookie season because he had missed the year before. Yeah, 2018, I think it was. And it was like a a revelation. It was like, who is this guy? This guy's going to take over the league. And then we saw a little bit of that the other season when Embiid was down and he he had that big game in Utah. So I'm not saying Durant needs to go down for Simmons to take over, but there's a better situation around him in Brooklyn. Like, that's pretty obvious. But I think the the freshness of him going to Brooklyn, the new, um, it's just like the it's like if you move to a new city, things are brand new. It's gonna feel nice. You're gonna have, you're gonna be making new friends. It's a new situation, a fresh start. I think he's on the right track. But it is Katie's team, like yeah. Oh, but it, it was Joel he Batman, team. everybody else Robin. That that's for sure. Whether it's Kyrie, Jay, it doesn't matter. Katie, Batman, everybody else Robin, and that's the way it. it was built like that that's fine the last piece i'll say about brooklyn is the Kyrie thing really really bothers me because not i i don't want to get into like vaccination discussion i'm not interested in that at all i'm not going to get into mandate discussion about new york and like the the inconsistencies of that versus visiting players coming into them their arena versus what Kyrie can do it it's kind of black and white ridiculous but at the same time agreed the Irving thing is a problem. Even if he never, even if this vaccination thing never came up, he's a headache. He's, I've said this before. He's, if he decided to retire and go become a spiritual guide in some like reservation in America, like no one would be shocked. The, the flakiness of Kyrie Irving doesn't warrant having him on your team. I just wouldn't want him on my team at all. At the same time, I can acknowledge he's one of the most phenomenal basketball players I've ever watched. His talent is incredible. His finishing, his shooting, his he's just silky dribbling. smooth, dribbling. Um, one of the best scorers I've ever seen. But everything that fits around that makes me question him on any team. So that has a chance. What I was going to say was that has a chance to subvert their chances of winning. But the rest of the team may be good enough to overcome that. Do we know about Harris, whether he's... he's I, yeah, don't know. He's had to have another surgery on his foot, ankle, was, ankle foot. He's had to have, to have another hand. surgery because I actually had him on my fantasy and he was due to come back after just after the All-Star break and they're talking it might not be till mm. near playoff time, but he comes back and he needs to be game ready and game fit for him to help uh, the Brooklyn Nets, that's for sure. Yeah. Just on your point with Kyrie, Kyrie lost me when he decided he wasn't going to play for Australia, even though he was born in Melbourne. Yeah, I mean, that's... You were born here. Okay. Your dad moved here. You were born here. And you turned your back. Why? Because you wanted to play for the Dream Team? But but we know at Origin, you know, at Queensland Rugby, that doesn't matter where you're born, it's where you first play yeah, your game. It's a completely different sport, different but, rules, different all uh, completely okay. different this, this gets into identity politics, and this is something like, I don't even know what direction this could go. I don't think Kyrie would consider himself Australian, even if he has the citizenship or a passport. He was born here. No. Okay, go, getting back to basketball then. Do you Hang on, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, cut you off. Nicole Kidman, Australian? Would you say she's Australian? She was born here, yes. She was born in Hawaii, America. Oh. So I'm just giving you an example, but she would consider herself Australian. So 100%. Kyrie has it. I think he has every right to say he's not Australian; he's American. Or so as far as the decision to he play never for the had, team, he never had the grit or the toughness. Was he anyway? Just quietly, he was too much of a softy like the Americans. Oh, he'd be half man, half boomer. I, I don't think. Yeah, your your mentality, your uh, 
message. What was it again? Half man, half game, or whatever half it was. Season. That is Kyrie Irving and his mentality, his nationality, everything down to a T. You got it on the nail. Kyrie does what Kyrie wants, and yeah, fuck everybody else. I uh, I might have stole that one from Reddit, so I can't take all the credit for that. But <laughs> it's a good one. It's really good. Uh-huh.